Good morning, church. My name is Steve. I'm glad you're here. Would you stand? We're going to sing some songs.
Why don't you guys have a seat? Watch this. We're going to wrap up a series this morning we've been going through for the last couple of months called Bloodstained Pews. It's a powerful series about how to be a church that welcomes the broken. This is probably the most important sermon of the series. I think I've got it from you. I think I've got it from you. 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 City Christian Church. We're grateful that you're here. Uh, I am starting my second stint here at Capital City Christian Church. I, uh, I made a week and a half the first time, and uh, I, as you see, I got fired, uh, but I've been rehired. Uh, we'll see how it goes from here. There's no time. I'm aiming for two weeks this time. That's what we're looking for. Uh, we're starting a new sermon series this morning called Being the Bad Guys, and, uh, and that's a fun play on it. Doc has this reputation of someone who enjoys being the bad guy. This is going to fit real well with his personality. He's going to lead us through this series really well. I think you're going to enjoy where it goes. But it's going to challenge us. It's going to challenge our mindsets to think a little bit differently uh, about the world that we live in, the role that we play, and how we can do that the best possible way. How can we love people in such a way when we are hated by so very many? It's going to challenge us, but it's going to be good. And so we hope that you're ready for that and ready to, uh, to grow with us in that kind of endeavor and, and move forward in that way. we got a few announcements that we want to bring to your attention. Uh, this morning, we're going to start with this. Uh, it is back to school Sunday. This is our last Sunday of staycation. It is a brutal reminder that school is here, and it's painful, and it's rough, all right? But it's good. We're, we are doing a, a fundraiser, or not a fundraiser, a, a, an event out in the foyer with uh, bringing in school supplies. It's our nudges for this month. We're encouraging you to bring school supplies in to help our community. If you happened to bring those in, make sure you drop them on the tables out there in the foyer. If you forgot, that's cool. Uh, bring them in sometime this week. We'll make sure that they end up where they need to be. We're going to support a couple different uh, elementary schools here in town uh, as, as well as uh, uh, within the city, outside in the county as well. I don't understand all that stuff. I'm still learning county and city. It's weird to me, all right? But it's apparently... It, I'll get there. All right. You, you know what it is. I don't. And, and just bring the stuff in. It'll be really good. Uh, if you happen to have a need with school supplies, just let us know. Uh, we want to take care of our family first. 
And so if there's a need that you have specifically in this for your kids, your grandkids, if you got a neighbor that you know could use some help, just contact the office. We want to help you out and make sure that that gets taken care of. Uh, on August 27th, we're doing an event called Help Build Hope. It's a really, really neat uh, program. What they do is they come into churches and they have you help frame up houses. And then they, they, they bring the walls back down, and then they ship them off to wherever they can build a house. And so what we're going to do is we're going to actually frame a house up on Saturday, August 27th, for a family in western Kentucky that lost their home in the tornadoes last December. And so it's a really cool deal. They bring all the supplies, even the tools, even if you don't know how, but you want to be a part of something like this. Maybe you don't uh, see yourself as the construction type, but you think this is really cool. Please come out. They'll help you do it. I've done this event before years and years ago with middle school students, all right? So literally anyone is qualified to be able to do this. And so if you want to do this, please show up. Come be a part of it. Uh, make sure you register online, capcity.info. It's a really, really cool event, and we want to see you there for that. Uh, this Wednesday night, we're starting back our growth groups. Uh, this is kind of our programming. That's, it's good enough that people cheer for it, all right? That ought to be all the advertisement you need. Uh, we're really excited about it. This is what it looks like on Wednesday nights. They have a meal at 530. Uh, so that means that you can come in and you can eat uh, and be able to spend some time with some, some people, fellowship, get to know other people. And then they've got support groups that start at 6 and growth groups that start at 630. I want to just read off some of the things that we're offering. This isn't all of them, but this is some of them. And so there's support groups like divorce care, financial peace, grief share. Uh, we have growth groups like Mom Life, Shop Talk, Soul Sisters. Uh, there, there's many more, okay? All sorts of opportunities. There isn't anyone in this room who doesn't have a place for them on Wednesday night. And so we want to encourage you to come and, and participate and be a part of that. If you want more information, there's a new display. If you go out the foyers right behind you and turn to your right, uh, there's a wall off to the side that has a display with all the groups listed as to everything that's going on, not just even on Wednesday nights. Uh, but throughout the rest of the church, all sorts of opportunities for you to get plugged in. We want this place to be a family, but that means that we have to connect like a family. And so we want to encourage you in towards those growth groups and other groups that exist as well. All right, we're going to step back into worship. I want to invite you to stand and let's celebrate this good singing. I was walking the wayside, Lord, 
have a seat for a second. Man, that's the gospel. That is the good news. I've seen Jesus Christ and what he has done, and now I want to live for him. That's it. That's the good news. You have a whole new life. Now, there's going to be a lot of other gospels that are out there, a lot of rival gospels, which is what leads us to us being the bad guys, because as soon as we say no, this is the only gospel, this is the only good news, the only way to get eternity, the only way to get salvation, the only way to be a part of this family, the family of God, is following Jesus Christ. I have lost sight of that in my own life. Even, even as a minister, I've lost sight of that. And something keeps bringing me back. It's Jesus Christ and what he has done for me, his grace for me. And the thing is, is that the struggle that I've had is I've followed after other gospels in my life. It always comes down to this, this verse that's right underneath me here, right behind me there. Galatians 1.10 Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. I, that struck me this last time as I read it through this week. Obviously. It's not obvious all the time in my life. I'm sometimes trying to have other, <laughs> other people in my life, I'm trying to get their approval. And God says, you can't be my servant. If I was pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. We have to stop trying to please people. We have to stop trying to be woke. We have to stop trying to be something that we're not. And that means we're going to pit ourselves up against people. And that stinks. Because I want approval. I want approval from my family. I want approval from people that I go to speed, when I go to Speedway and I say the right things and do the right things. I want their approval. And God says, no, you don't. You can't be my servant. Make it obvious in your life. I want this to be on your heart as we come into a communion time today. I want you to be thinking about that. You can't be Christ's servant if you're trying to look for the approval elsewhere. Okay? So in a few moments, you're going to go to the tables. These are all around our room here. If you've never been to, to church here and you don't know how we do communion, this is all around this, this room. You're going to say, see these tables. And on that, there's a variety of different things for you. If you've come here today to celebrate in this communion service, to remember what Jesus Christ has done, you'll see some bread and some juice over there. These are emblems of, uh, that we take together to remember his body and his blood. Both of those were sacrificed for each of us. If you want to know more about any of the things that we do, we'd love to talk to you about it later on. But this is a, a memorial service to, to keep that in the forefront of our minds every week when we gather together. Remember what Jesus Christ has done. If this place is your home and you want to give, you're going to have a chance to do that with the black boxes that are each of the stations. It's marked offering, so that's where you put your offering. Do it with a cheerful heart that you've got. And if you got something outside of that, and you, we ask people all the time to, to engage in different ways and give and sacrifice in different ways, and maybe monetarily you've got something in an offering that you got there, and something is hitting you today that you say, I, I've got a couple extra dollars. That's where the white buckets come into place, this generous bucket. So be generous beyond that. If there's some, uh, something that's on your heart, take those dollars, put it in there. Those go into uh, various projects that we have around the, uh, uh, this community for people who are in need. So go ahead and stand up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to send you to the tables one more time. Now, thank you again for um, giving us a, a new family, allowing us to, to be a part of something that is much better than, much greater, much bigger than we could have been on our own. Father, I struggle, and you know this, we've been walking this for many, many years, where I, I start looking elsewhere and say, God, I just want them, uh, these people, to, to approve of me. And you keep changing that within me and reminding me to be Christ's servant. You're reminding me all the time that in order to follow you, I have to say no to everybody else. People that I care about doesn't mean that I'll stop caring about them, but I, they have to take a back seat to you, God. They have to take a back seat to your plans, and they have to take a back seat to your purpose. Father,
strengthen me and give me what I need to make that happen. Do that for every person that's in this room, every person who's hearing this prayer and about to go and spend this time with you. Help them to be reminded that they already have your approval. Your dad. When we go into your house, Father, we always have a place. Thank you so much for Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's go to the tables. morning. Where's Webb? It's right down there. Daniel, Elijah, Shakur, if he makes the move to come up here, would you guys stop him, please? (laughs) Whatever it takes, I don't care, okay? (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we can be here. It's by your invitation, and we know you're here. And so we pray now that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Some of you old guys, remember when you used to write letters? I'm not talking about emails, texts, I'm talking about pen and paper. Stuff it in an envelope, lick the stamp, put it in the mailbox. How many of you guys have actually written a letter like that in the last year? I actually see about three or four hands. You guys are dinosaurs. Anyway, if you guys are old, chances are your first or second grade teacher taught you the proper format for a letter, right? Dear whoever, how are you? I'm fine. And you really don't, uh, they're not real questions. How are you? You don't care. I am fine. That's not true. But anyway, that's how you start it. So on until you get to the sincerely part, right? Well, there was no email or texting back in the world of the New Testament, just letters. And their protocols, their formats for writing a letter were a little bit different in fact, I found this slide. Some prof is using this to, to tell his students how they used to open up letters in the, in the New Testament. It went something like this. Instead of opening with dear whoever, the first thing they do is tell you who it's from, 
who the letter is from. Then they would say who the letter is to, and then they'd put in some kind of a howdy, right? So it went like this, Paul the Apostle, that's who it's from. To the churches in Galatia, that's who it's to. Grace and peace from God and the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, howdy. That's all it was, basically. Same way, same pattern in every single one of Paul's letters. Every single one of them. And even what comes next, with just one exception, is the same. There's always a thanksgiving, there's a prayer. Something like Paul to the Colossians, howdy, I'm praying for you guys. So here's the letter to the Romans. Paul, to all of you guys in Rome, loved by God, grace and peace, I really thank God for you guys. That's how he opens the letter. Corinthians, Paul to God's church in Corinth, grace and peace. I thank God for you guys. Same thing. Philippians, Paul to God's holy people in Philippi, grace and peace. I thank God whenever I remember you guys. Right? That's the pattern. That's the norm. Except for one book. One letter. Galatians. And this one's different. It is strikingly different. Here it is. Paul to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you. So far, so good. Completely normal. What comes next? He does not give thanks. He doesn't pray for them. He doesn't start talking about how good God is for them. He goes postal. He's ticked. Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All normal. And then he's like this. You dorks have lost your minds. That's my paraphrase, by the way. You guys are freaking idiots. I'm astonished. I'm stunned. I'm stupefied that you guys are so quickly deserting God. What's wrong with you? What are you thinking? You're a bunch of traitors. He's mortified. He's furious. He's scared. And understandably so. I'll show you why. What if? What if you actually believe in hell. Do you? A lot of people don't. But what if you actually believe in hell? And what if, what if someone that you love dearly starts down a path that you believe is going to take them straight to hell? Would you be ticked? Would you be mortified, furious, scared? Would you be tempted to go postal on them? Maybe you wouldn't, but I hope you'd at least be tempted. Let's slow down and look at what Paul actually says. Verse 6, he says, I am astonished, shocked, stunned that you are so quickly deserting God, the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and that you are so quickly turning to a different gospel. The message puts it like this. It says, I can't believe how you're wavering. I can't believe how easily you've turned traitor to the one who called you, that's God, by the grace of Christ, by embracing an alternative message. Guys, this is crazy. You're doing so well, and all of a sudden you're deserting God. Now, I don't think Paul is mad because they're deserting him. I think he's mortified because they're deserting God. You don't diss God. You don't disgrace. And then he says this, he says, you are literally, this is again my paraphrase, tossing God's gospel in the toilet because you think you found a better one. Are you out of your minds? Now you see the word gospel occasionally in the New Testament, all it means literally is good news. Gospel just means good news. 
you guys think this good news you have found is actually better than the good news of God's grace in Jesus. How can you think that anything is better than the good news of God's grace in Jesus? You are out of your minds. Verse 7. This different good news, this other gospel that you think is better than Jesus. It's not good news, guys. Do you honestly think that any philosophy of life that marginalized Jesus can be good news? Do you honestly think that any path that you are on is superior to the path of following Jesus? It'll make your life better. It's not going to work, guys. So he goes on, verse 8. He said, listen, dorks, that's my paraphrase. Even if we were to come and preach a gospel different than the one God gave us to preach, it's God's gospel, not mine, guys. In fact, even if an angel from heaven should come and preach a gospel other than the one that God gave us to preach, if I were to preach a different gospel, may God curse me. If an angel were to preach a different gospel, may God curse him. Wow. I mean, how could a man who claims to be a Jesus follower say something so heartless, so judgmental, so arrogant? Well, let's go there. What if, again, what if you actually believe there's a God? Do you? I'm talking about a big G God, perfectly powerful, perfectly wise, perfectly holy, and yet perfectly good, a creator God. You believe there's a God. And what if you believe that that God created every single one of us on purpose, for a purpose? And what if you actually believe that every single one of us is designed to do life with God, for God, God's way? You believe that? And what if you believe that our creator, our designer, set it up so that life only works best when we do life his way? I mean, the best life possible, the fullest life possible, the richest life possible is only possible when we put God at the center as he designed it. Do you believe that? that a life wrapped around God is the very best life possible for every single person, everywhere, for all of time. We do. Which means that any alternative to following Jesus is not only inferior, it's destructive. It's going to mess you up and it's going to mess up the people around you. Well, guys, the Apostle Paul actually believed that stuff. He believed it fiercely because he'd actually come face to face with the God who went to a cross to rescue us. And he's like, do you actually think that you can out-good God? Are you out of your minds? Do you actually think that you can come up with a better way to do life than the one that was written into the user's manual by our Creator? And then he says, guys, even if I were to change my mind and tell you that something is better than Jesus... better if God damned me. He says, even if an angel were to show up and tell you that there's something better than Jesus, it'd be better if God damned him. Don't go there. 
Do you know why Paul is so passionate? Do you know why what he says makes us wince? If you actually believed in God and if there was someone you would die for, do you guys have somebody that you'd die for? Is there someone that, that you would die for and if that person started down a path that leads away from God? Wouldn't you feel the same as Paul? You might not say it like Paul said it, but you'd feel it, I hope. Guys, Paul loved these guys deeply. In fact, in one place, he'd actually said that he'd go to hell in their place if it would keep them good with God. That's how much he loved them. And he doubles down. Verse 9. He says, as I've already said before, I'm going to say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted... And apparently somebody is. And they're falling for it. Paul says, let them be under God's curse. Good news translation is even stronger. Paul says, if anyone preaches to you a gospel different from the one that you've already accepted, and apparently someone is doing just that, may that person be condemned to hell. Now, guys, I wish Paul hadn't said that that way. But I get it. I understand his passion, his pain, his fear. I know that putting it that harshly, that bluntly, can make some people push us away. But you've got to understand what's at stake. People that we care about, people that we love, there is so much at stake. And then the Apostle Paul wraps it up with these little words. Verse 10, Steve read them earlier. He said, am I now trying to win the approval of people or of God? Am I trying to please people? If that were so, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. And here's what he means. Guys, if it's just me up here telling you how I think you ought to live, blow it off. What makes my opinion any better than yours? But if Jesus really is the Son of God stepping into our world to show us how to do life God's way, wouldn't that make his opinion more important than any of ours? Bottom line, guys, it really doesn't matter what I think is right. And it doesn't matter what you think is right unless it squares with what God thinks is right. And that's all around Jesus, guys. Wow, how's that for an intro? We kind of dug right into it, didn't we? Kind of hard. And this different gospel that Paul is fighting isn't exactly the same as the different gospel that we're facing today, but it's similar because bottom line, it comes down to two options, guys. You can either do life with God at the center or you can do life with anything else, mainly self at the center. Those are your two options. You can wrap your life around a big G God or you can be your own little G God. Bottom line, one way works and the other doesn't. All that set up. Because I don't want to try to unpack this false gospel that Paul was fighting 2,000 years ago. I want to talk about where we stand today. Now, unless you're just a tyke, unless you're just a kid, you have seen our world change dramatically in your lifetime. Right? Seismic change. Cultural shifts. When I came to Capital City... 
27 years ago. This is my white hat, by the way. It's kind of tan, but it's as white as I could get. When I came to Cap City 27 years ago, I was considered a pretty normal guy. I was. In the eyes of most people, I was probably considered a pretty good guy. One of the white hat guys, right? Quite acceptable to be Christian. But the speed of cultural change has been stunning and the polarization of our people and the hatred that it has stirred. We fought wars over women's rights, Me Too, whether the whole idea of masculine is toxic. We fought wars over same-sex marriage, the number of genders there are, transgender issues. We fought wars over abortion, the right to choose versus the right to life. We fought wars over free speech. Can I say things that offend you, that hurt your feelings? We fought wars over race, racism, Black Lives Matter, diversity, privilege, intersectionality. We fought educational wars, wars over issues like climate change, the ability of our government to suspend the rights of some to protect the rights of others. We fought wars over religion, whether religion still has any place at all in the public square. Bottom line, our world is dramatically different now. In this world, it's not clear that I'm one of the good guys. In fact, in this world, the majority would probably see me as one of the bad guys, right? Part of the problem, not the solution. So this is my hat now. And if you guys are anything like me, you're probably bad guys now too. So you need to go find some black hats. In the eyes of many in our world, guys like me, old, white, middle-class, educated, Christian. Some of them would classify me as sexist and racist and privileged, which is a bad thing, insensitive and intolerant, which is one of the worst things. I hope they're wrong. I don't want to be any of those things. But by their definitions... I suppose I am all that, I guess. By God's definitions, I hope I'm not. Because bottom line, guys, it really doesn't matter what people think of me. It really doesn't even matter what I think of me. What matters is what God thinks of me, right? And if God thinks I'm a bad guy, I've got real issues. If he thinks I'm doing okay, and you don't, then you've got issues. Well, here's what's happened. We went from being the good guys right past being one of the guys to being the bad guys in just the blink of an eye, as history goes. Shouldn't bother us, shouldn't scare us, shouldn't worry us. We've been the bad guys before. In fact, for most of history in most parts of the world, we Jesus followers have been the bad guys. Scriptures assume it. Jesus predicts it. And he told us that following Jesus would not be easy in this world. Jesus was crucified as a bad guy. All but one of the apostles were executed as bad guys. 
boatloads of Jesus followers have been brutalized just for being Jesus followers all over the world, bad guys. And now in the tiniest and wimpiest of ways, it's our turn. No whining. They're not cutting off our heads or throwing us off buildings yet. Generation ago, Christianity was accepted as a good thing. Good for people, good for culture, good for society. Christian morality was pretty much accepted as foundational. Even if you weren't a Christian, even if you weren't a serious Christian, I'm telling you guys, in our history, most people have not been serious Christians. Still, God, Jesus, church, Bible, pastors were pretty much the good guys, right? And then for just a blink of time, it looked like we might become just one of the guys. If Jesus works for you, cool. If he doesn't work for you, that's cool too. And as Jesus followers, we thought we could work with that, right? We'll stack our good news against anybody's good news. Ours is better. Ours works. Just lay it out as clearly as possible, and we figured that anybody who was fair-minded would be able to see that following Jesus wins. We compete very well on a level playing field, on a neutral playing field. We'll win. But guys, the playing field is not neutral. It's not level. We're not just one of the guys. We became the bad guys. Our gospel is not the solution. It's the problem. What we preach, what we teach is holding people back. What we preach, what we teach is holding people down, they think. And the fact is, there are a whole lot of people in our world that are not just content to reject what we believe. They're offended by what we believe. So they don't want anybody else to believe it either. So some of them are coming after us. So be it. Jesus never promised that following him would be easy. Jesus warned us that following him would make our life harder in this world. But it's worth it. It's worth it for now. It's worth it for forever. Do you guys believe that? Do you really? So guys, our goal is now to be the very, very best bad guys ever. Because we still think it's good news. In fact, we think it's the best news ever. So we're not angry. We're not discouraged. We're not scared. In fact, we're kind of excited. I always wanted to be one of the bad guys. Get to wear all these cool black hats. Let's compare these two Gospels. Take a look at the closer look at this Gospel that's supposed to be superior to Jesus. Now, I'm going to oversimplify things a bit, but I do think the differences are kind of obvious. On the one hand, there is a Christ-centered worldview. That's not an X. That's the Greek letter chi. It's the first letter in the name Christos. It's Christos world, the Christ-centered world. It's the same X that that we've got in our logo, Christ-driven 24-7, right? So you've got the chi world, the Christ-centered world, and then you've got the I world, the world that revolves around me. What I think, what I value, what I want. The Kai world is pretty much the opposite. It's not about me. It's not about what I think, what I want, what I value, what I like. 
In fact, it's about kicking me off the throne and giving God his rightful place. It's about a selfless life instead of a self-centered life. I live for God more than I live for me. I live for those God loves more than I live for myself because it is not about me anymore. I world is radically different. In the I world, it's about my choices, my rights, my purpose, my meaning, my values. My compass points inward rather than upward. And I affirm people only when they affirm me. Anyone else I can cancel. In this I world, my goal is to pursue my best self, my way. It's a great little book that we're going to be drawing from some during this series. It's called Being the Bad Guys. How do you live for Jesus in a world that says you shouldn't? By a funny-looking guy named Stephen McAlpin. He's kind of funny-looking, except he's got great hair, don't you think? He says it's kind of like our culture is trying to build a better kingdom than the kingdom of God, but without a king. In the I world, there is no God whose boots you need to lick. You do what's best for you. You figure out your own right and wrong. You figure out your own meaning and purpose. You figure out who you want to be. Meaning and purpose are ours to construct or deconstruct. It's about me, what I want, what I like, what I value. And in this I world, all of us get to be kings. See the clash with Jesus? See the clash with God? Do you see why in this kind of a world, following Jesus will make you a bad guy? I mean, we spent essentially a year unpacking one verse, and we did it on purpose because it goes right to the heart of what following Jesus is all about. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You've got to give up your own self. You must deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. In other words, you must be willing to sacrifice everything for me, and not just on Sunday, but 24-7, and then you've got to follow me. Don't follow yourself. Follow me, he says. In other words, in the Kai world, you've got to let God be God. Now, here's the deal, guys. Now, think about it. We have the same goals they do. We want the same stuff they want. We want the best life possible, just like they do. We want a life that has meaning and purpose just like they do. We want love. We want dignity. We want freedom. We want fairness. We want justice just like they do. In fact, it's God who planted those dreams in every single one of us. We just don't think you can get there by following some petty little God like you. We think the best life possible is only possible when you give God his rightful place. When you pursue his purposes, his dreams, his values. See, we actually believe that doing life with God, for God, God's way, is life to the fullest. For now and for forever. And it absolutely breaks our hearts when people we love settle for less. But you can see it, can't you? I mean, to those in the I world... Luke 9.23 seems like the very opposite of good news. Jesus says, if you want to come with me, you must forget yourself. Forget yourself. In the I world, that's blasphemy. You've got to take up your cross every single day. In the I world, that's twisted. That's wrong. 
to those who are self-absorbed. Then you've got to follow Jesus. You've got to follow him when you understand him and when you don't. You've got to follow him when you agree with him and when you don't because he's God. And they're like, as if his opinions about my life carry any more weight than my opinions about my life. And we're like, yeah. Because following Jesus will make your life way, way better. Do you believe that? I'm going to kind of wind this down by reading some words written by a guy named Bob Russell. Ever heard of him? He's one of my heroes. He's the pastor who led that church in Louisville from a handful of people to about 25,000. They built the Colosseum that you see on the right-hand side as you're driving into Louisville on I-64. I think Russell's an amazing guy. Believe it or not, he is incredibly humble and he's incredibly wise. And I'm just going to let his words speak. Listen along if you can. He says, Ever since Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world, all of us inherited this carnal nature, this sinful nature. And our weaknesses may vary, but we all have them. Selfishness, greed, gluttony, lust, alcoholism, addictions, laziness. It's a long list. And admittedly, some temptations are more intense than others. And some sins are more lethal than others. When the pedophile or the rapist pleads for mercy, explaining, that's just my nature, can't help it. We pity them. But most of us would agree that their dark side needs restraint, not endorsement. What if everyone just did what they felt like doing? What if everyone just rationalized that's how God made me? We would excuse marital affairs, road rage, child abuse, shoplifting, laziness, incivility, indecent exposure, drug addictions, mob violence, simply because someone claims it's just who I am. Of course not our world would be even more chaotic than it is now. Since we live in a crowded community, there is need for self-restraint, personal responsibility. One of the hallmarks of maturity is self-discipline. It is not about me. Which is why Jesus instructed his followers, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny his self, take up his cross daily and follow me. That's why the Apostle John wrote, those who follow Christ are not to succumb to the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eyes or the pride of life. That's why Simon Peter admonished his readers to abstain from the evil desires that actually war against the soul. Genuine followers of Christ understand we are not free to live as we please. We do not live for ourselves, guys. We live for God. We live for God's purposes. That's how we were meant to live. Russell says, in this post-Christian culture, those who dare repeat the scriptural need for repentance from sin and the discipline of carnal desires, sometimes we are branded as haters. We have been branded as haters, and we probably increasingly will. 
And then he quotes these words from a song. Love sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Guys, what we sing is going to sound like hate to some, but it's not. It's a reckless love. And I know that we're going to look like the bad guys to some, but we're really not. We flat out love our God, and we flat out love the people that God puts into our lives. And we want the very best life possible for as many as possible. So here it is. Do you honestly believe that the Christ gospel is superior to the I gospel? Do you honestly believe that the Christ-centered life is superior to the self-centered life? Do you believe it seriously enough that you're willing to live it out no matter what the cost? Two, do you understand that theirs is really not a gospel at all? It's all about me is not good news. Do you understand that if you de-God God, your life will not be better but infinitely worse for now and for forever? Do you get that? Three, do you understand that our goals are really not different than theirs? We all want the best life possible. We want a life with purpose. We want love. We want dignity. We want freedom. We want fairness. We want justice because God planted those dreams in us. We just don't think you can get there without putting God at the center of it all. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not good enough to improve on God's path. Number four, do you understand that what it really boils down to is who is your God? Guys, listen. Everything changes when you let God be God. How you think, how you behave, how you love, everything changes when you let God be God. And number five, do you understand that following Jesus will make your life better and harder at the same time? Jesus never promised us an easier life. He just promised us a better one, life to the fullest. So where does that leave us here at Cap City? The real question is, how do we offer the real gospel to a world that increasingly sees us as the bad guys? Not just one option among many. For so many, we're the problem. We're not the solution. So how can we be the very, very best bad guys ever? It's not going to be about going back to the good old days. It's not about trying to force those who don't accept God as God to behave like they do. It's not about trying to force our way back to the head of the table. It's not that. It's not about retreat, isolating ourselves, throwing up walls to protect us. It's not about building monasteries because God gave us a job to do out there. It's certainly not about compromise. We honestly believe that when God speaks, we need to listen. We need to do life His way when we understand Him and when we don't because we trust Him. 
We need to do life his way when we agree with him and when we don't. Because we trust that he's probably a whole lot wiser than we are. It is about being the salt of the earth and about being the light of the world. It's about doing life God's way with a courage, a zest, and a lightness that shows them a better way. That's where we're going, guys. That's what this whole next series is all about, being the bad guys. How can we be the very best guys possible? And it's hugely important, guys. If you're a parent and you genuinely love your kids, you're going to want them on a path towards God. If you've got friends that you care about, neighbors that you care about, you're going to want them on a path towards God. If we love our God, if we want to do life with God, for God, God's way, we have to take this stuff really seriously. That's where we're going. That's where we're going to be for the next two months. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the challenge and help us to to rise up to the challenge that you've given to us and to tackle it with a zest, a lightness, a joy. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
please have a seat. Look over here to my right, your left. This is Shakur, this is Greg, and this is Elijah. Today we will baptize our brother in Christ because he's become a new man through Christ and he wants to change his life for the better. Through Christ. <laughs> so I ask that you please watch us as we baptize our brother Elijah in Christ. And I just want to say thank you for being all of our witnesses, well, his witness. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. The Son of God. And I accept Him as my personal Lord and Savior. And I accept Him as my personal Lord and Savior. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and today we baptize you in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift for God's Holy Spirit. So as we leave today, I want to be reminded of this. Make it obvious that you're pursuing God. Make it obvious in this world. There's no doubt, there's no denying that you are a child of God, okay? That's exactly what I want you to be thinking about. That. Let's pray together. We're going to send you out. I mean, you go ahead and stand up because, you know, you get yourself limbered up before you leave, okay? That was awesome. <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you so much for the amazing things that you do in our life. You keep showing us over and over again that this is the way. This is the way that you want us to go. So as we continually give ourselves to you and learn what it looks like to sacrifice more and more of ourselves, Father, help us to not look like our old selves anymore. Help us to look like Jesus Christ. So that when the world sees us, they don't see this old life. They see your son. They see your daughter. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hope to see you again next week. Bye-bye.